ancestors April Sims and sister Sharika Cotter on our show. They are members of the Washington State Federation. I want you to know that they ran for office and they are now have been elevated by acclamation as the new president and the new secretary treasurer of the Washington State Labor Council. These sisters got it going on. Yes, they do. Our email address is ORCBTU10, and that's the number 10, at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at ORCBTU. Addressing critical race theory, the redistricting process, our expanding congressional representation, and voting rights issues should never be discussed or solved in a vacuum. We would love to hear from each and every one of you. Please join us in our evolving adventure of representing Black union workers. Our next meeting will be held on November 15th instead of the standard date of November 8th, which falls on the National General Election Day. And if you haven't voted yet, please remember to do so. The time is now to step up, to step out, to be seen, and to shout out our intent to protect our national democracy. Thank you for joining us. And with that, holla. This is Ramona Africa, and you're listening to KBOO, KBOO 90.7 on your dial. KBOO is the exact example of the community taking charge of itself on the move. Baby, you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are So good evening. You're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. Uh, today we're talking with Dr. Christian Conte, uh, one of the country's most accomplished mental health specialists in the field of anger and emotional management. Uh, Dr. Conte, welcome to Prison Pipeline. Thank you so much for having me. Great. So Dr. Conte, you serve as a consultant to the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections and you offer mental health training programs that correction officers and inmates must go through. Um, I would just like it if you would start by first of all, just telling us a little bit about yourself. And then um, after we learn a little bit more about who you are, we'll go more into the programs that you advocate for and the issues that kind of inform those. So first of all, if you could Dr. Conte, please tell us who is Christian Conte? Yeah, definitely. So I'm super passionate about what I do. I've been doing this work as of January, it'll be 25 years. Um, And someone rephrased that for me as a quarter of a century. And I thought, oh, wow. Uh, So I'm really passionate. I'm equally as passionate, probably more passionate even now doing the work I do. Um, Because look, 
I've done, I started off my career doing work with sports psychology. I do mental health. I mean, people struggling with some of the most intense uh, difficulties and challenges. And I've always been passionate about clinical experience. I was a tenured professor. I taught I taught uh, counseling uh, to master's and doctoral students for years. I loved that. But then I left that world of academia. Um, I ran a mental health organization. I co-founded a center for people convicted of violent crimes in South Lake Tahoe, California. Um, and then eventually I moved back to my home state of uh, Pennsylvania. And I have been going into, for the last 10 years, I've been going into the prisons and I work with both the officers and those who are incarcerated to try to help everybody um, become the best versions of themselves. So I have a tagline um, that I've kind of operated. I think it kind of clarifies the work that I do. Um, I believe after working with people all over the world, I, you know, I work with celebrities on TV. I work with some of the best athletes in the world, people struggling in some of the darkest places of their lives. And I believe the world boils down to two kinds of people. You ready for this? There, there are people who have issues and then there are dead people. So if we're alive, we all have issues. Uh, and I really believe that there's nobody better than anybody else. Um, we all struggle. Um, we all have obstacles that we have to face. We're all in this life together. And we all need each other. Um, so I try to be a source of light for those um, that I get to encounter. And I believe very strongly when it comes to my work in the prisons that everyone can improve, everyone can change. Um, those who are incarcerated um, can can learn things about their paths of what led to what, what can lead to what. And those who are working in those institutions can learn how to become the best uh, versions of themselves professionally uh, and personally as well. So that's just a kind of a nutshell of the, what I'm doing. Thank you so much. Um, so what is mental health equity? What, what does that mean? And how does that translate to adults in custody? Well, look, I, I, let me just go off the lighthearted tagline that I have. We all struggle with issues. We all have moments and obstacles. And for some people, those obstacles are, um, they're more difficult than for others. And it could be for a number of factors, it could be biological factors, environmental factors. Um, and so when we see people who are struggling, I've spent my whole career, I do feel like the world is a little bit more receptive to this today. But like I said, 25 years ago, when I started, um, I felt like I was trying to be a voice that it's okay to struggle with things. So when it comes to mental health issues, it's okay to struggle. In fact, that's why I kind of did that lighthearted tagline is I saw there were people who were thinking, well, well, maybe we're, our issues aren't as intense. No, they're issues. We all have them. Um, so I just felt very passionate about getting the word out. And I do believe that when it comes to equity, it means we all need to understand that this is not one person better than someone else. Um, is we each have difficulties that are pretty significant to us. And so we need to help people be able to handle those obstacles that are in front of them. Let's talk about your program a little bit. Um, you have a program that you do at the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections. You offer uh, mental health training for corrections officers and inmates. Um, so um, I guess my first question I'm actually really interested in is why do you offer it to both inmates and to correctional officers? Well, again, everyone can improve. I really believe this. So the past is gone. 
And what I noticed a long time ago was this. My research helped me see that when people live in shame, they act out of shame. So this whole mentality of we need to shame people. If you remember years ago, they would have these shows scared straight. Well, they would take these young people who already had traumatic li lives and traumatic backgrounds and then scream and yell at them and intimidate them. And we saw that those programs weren't very successful at all. They just cause more trauma to these young people. And so that that's just a glimpse or a snapshot of what I saw overall, which is when we shame people, we're not helping them learn. The past is gone. And here's the reality, no matter how much insight we ever have, no matter what we think, we can't change one split second of the past. So what can we do? We can work from this moment forward to keep learning from the past. You know, Kobe Bryant was uh, an NBA legend. He was an athlete, one of the greatest athletes in the world. And I remember one time seeing him in an interview and a woman said to him, uh, the interviewer said, why, uh, tell me about your failures. And he, the way he looked at her, he almost like scoffed. He was like, didn't even understand what that word was. He was like failures. He was like, I don't have failures. I have lessons. I learned from lessons. And I thought that encapsulated the way I see the world. Like it's, it's not about failures. It's about what can I learn from what I just did. And so when it comes to those who are incarcerated and when it comes to those who are working with those who are incarcerated, everyone can learn from the past. And so what I train with officers is on communication. As I say to officers, and I do this all over the country, look, I'm glad that you are prepared and get trained and everything you get trained in. And I'll ask them how many of them have to train with a gun and everybody has to be trained with a gun. And then I ask them how, you know, I take the, I usually ask who's been in prisons the longest, somebody 30 years. Okay, have you ever pulled out a gun in prison? No. Okay, so I'm not saying not to do your training and be prepared, but here's what I am saying. You, 30 years you've been in prison, you never picked up a gun once. How many times do you communicate? Well, you communicate all day, every day. And why would we not want to train in communication? Why would we not want to understand how to communicate effectively? So I developed a communication theory back in the 90s, late 90s. Um, it's now an evidence-based approach to communication. I call it yield theory. And it is about meeting people where they are, trying to see the world through their eyes. And what you do is essentially lead with compassion and genuine humility and come up to somebody and say, listen, teach me, teach me about what you're seeing. Teach me about your perspective. Now, it doesn't mean we can't set firm boundaries and have firm consequences because we absolutely need those. But we can also lead with tremendous compassion. And so I teach people, how do you get around the fight or flight response? So I, I'm a level five anger management uh, you know, specialist. And, and I only say that because I feel proud of that designation because there are only four of us in the world and the other three are 30 years older than I am. So they always feel proud of me that, you know, that, I'm, that I'm in that little bunch. But um, I, when I work, I do stuff. Like this is the real life work I deal with. I, I work in maximum security prisons. I work with people who are have a history of extreme violence. Um, and so I specialize in working with people convicted of violent crimes. And when I'm doing this kind of work, we can't give people like a book knowledge. We can't give them some textbook knowledge. We have to do real life stuff. And what I've seen is when you meet people where they are, when you're able to try to seek to understand first, then you can be help them get that energy out, listen, validate, and then explore options. Where do we go from here? And so I train officers in this. Um, but then again, for those who are on the inside, like think about this, we are all 
in progress of becoming the best versions of ourselves. We let things get in the way, but we all have goals. We all have things we want to achieve and become and accomplish in this lifetime. And so I want to help people be able to accomplish those things. And I really believe that if we could make prison a place of personal growth, it would radically change things. I, I and, I, and I'm not just saying this haphazardly or as someone who watched the TV show on prisons, I've been doing this work for more than two decades. And I really believe, and I have seen, and I watch it in my programs, that when we focus on growth, how do we learn a different path? If one thing led to another to lead you here, what can you learn now so that when you get out, you're not hurting people, you're not doing the same things you were doing? So, um, Dr. Conte, one of the things that I learned um, in doing a little bit of uh, research about you is that you went and volunteered for six months at an institution, uh, really focused on people who were in uh, isolation, who were in solitary. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you learned during your time working with those people that has informed your work today? Yes. I mean, that was one of the most profound experiences. And that was kind of my start. And actually, I've spent the last 10 years, I'd say the majority of people that I work with are, are incarcerated in places that we would call solitary confinement. Some places call them restricted housing uh, units. But it's basically when you're living in, uh, you're locked up 23 hours a day. Um, in many cases, sometimes 22 hours, but it's it's a lot of time in isolation. So I learned uh, many things with this. I learned many things with this. So I one of the things that I learned was um, I spent time where I would kind of stay around when the staff thought I was gone, when the individuals on the inside thought I was gone, and I would learn um, some eye-opening things. Uh, you know, when people have spent a history practicing manipulation, they can get really good at it. Um, but I'm mindful not to think that because I've encountered people who are manipulative, that that means that everybody's going to be manipulative. But I did learn some pretty powerful things. I remember one time um, hiding out and kind of staying back. And I remembered somebody coming in, a volunteer, and going around and meeting with the men who were in the unit that I was in. And um, the guys, after that she left, the guys were laughing at her. They're like, I told her this, I told her that, I had her, I had her believing everything, I had her eating out the palm of my hands, and they were gaming on what stories they were gonna tell her next. And uh, that, that, that hurt to watch, to listen to. But I'm mindful about talking about that because then sometimes people on the outside say, well, see, that's everybody. And that's not everybody, that was those people in that unit that day. But I also learned that many times we weren't teaching people anything. So you're spending time in isolation. There was no material to learn. There was no information. How do we learn something different? And so the piece that I get really heated and intense about in my trainings is this, how can we expect someone to learn a different path if we don't teach them a different path and we don't offer, offer them opportunities to learn? And so I believe that in our culture in our society we have carl jung it's a fancy word called it in antiodromia fancy word it means we go from one extreme to the other and so historically we have had people go into prisons and they're either what what uh, people get called like in treatment as a hug a thug or it's a lock them up throw away the key you know and so those two extremes are are silly to me like why go into extremes like there's a balance there are people who have a history of hurting everyone that they're around every person you put in a cell with them and they have full intention to hurt anybody else you put in 
So I understand that balance. But there are also people who are in there who have really never learned a different path. And so again, my passion is about teaching people a realistic, different path so they can understand not only what led to what, but what can lead to what. Thank you. Um, so Dr. Conte, uh, why do you think that mental health is the leading cornerstone to reducing recidivism? So I really believe that we don't know unless we've walked not just a mile in somebody else's shoes, but we'd never know what everybody else is going through. We never know what another person is going through. And so I've spent my career saying, so part of yield theory, the fundamental assumption is this, not just walk a mile in their shoes, but could you imagine if you lived every day as another person and you had that person's cognitive functioning, their intelligence, their affective range, their ability to experience emotions and their life experiences. If you had all three of those, how can you possibly say that you would have done something differently from what they did? And so when I operate from this assumption, what it does is it wipes away judgment. So when I meet with people, I truly don't have judgment for them. Again, I say, what can we do from this moment forward? And what I believe when it comes to mental health and when it comes to reducing recidivism is this. If we can get past the one extreme to the other, either you're this or you're that, if we can move beyond that and we can say, look, it is important to teach people about their mental health. It is important to teach people how to handle their intense emotions. Let me tell you one of the most powerful lessons I get to share with the world. Every single emotion we all have will have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It is not physically possible to hold an emotional state forever. So it, it's, it's obvious to you and to me, and it's obvious to our listeners, but I promise you this understanding this wisdom that every emotion you ever have will have a beginning a middle and an end emotions come and go but actions can't be undone words can't be unsaid and when we understand this wisdom now imagine that you're struggling with anger or anxiety and you're incarcerated and you're in an eight by ten cell and you have these emotions if you're not aware of this you start to feel like you have to act impulsively because there's no end in sight but by truly understanding this key wisdom, you say, you know what, this is, you learn. And again, it takes effort, it takes discipline, it takes training, but you can learn, okay, this is really uncomfortable. I don't like how I feel, but there will be a beginning and a middle and end to this feeling. And you start to teach mindfulness and how do we work through this? And for many people, this is the first time they've ever encountered this kind of information. They've never heard anything like this. So it's not obvious information. And even if something's obvious, we all know that it's one thing to know something. It's another thing to actually practice it. So I develop programs where we focus on actually practicing the wisdom that we know. So that's an example, beginning, middle and end to every emotional experience. And then let's think, take something like anxiety. Imagine like when people struggle with anxiety, one of the things that happens is your body's flooded with cortisol and adrenaline, all this excess cortisol and adrenaline. And now when your body's feeling really anxious, your mind is gonna race to make up a story to match. So your mind always wants to match your body. So if your body's really anxious, you're gonna go, well, it must be because of this or that. And if you can learn that your mind always wants to match your body, imagine what that does to you. So I have a kind of an example that will relate to you and to me and it'll relate to the listeners out there as well. Can I give it to you? Please. 
All right, so let's say you and I down three energy drinks right now. Well, our heart's gonna start racing. Our body's gonna start to mimic physiological anxiety. And then our mind is gonna wanna race to match our body. So we might say, oh, did we have another meeting right now? Uh, well, did I send that email? And we're gonna start to have anxious stories. And then this is actually how a panic attack can occur. And now we start to race. Oh no, I'm feeling awful. Something's wrong with me. And now more adrenaline, more cortisol comes through the body. Well, one of the things that I teach people is this. If you could learn this, and again, imagine this. This is not a small deal. Imagine if you could really learn this. If we could teach people who are incarcerated that when your emotions come up like that, that your mind wants to match your body, imagine how much that can change the way they experience their every single day. Um, and again, this is why I'm still dispassionate about it after all these years, because I watch people get this information. And they say, Doc, I never heard, I never knew this. I didn't realize this, but it makes sense. And then what I always tell people is now you have to practice it because it's not enough just to know it. Because you know, our egos always want to say, I already know that, but you have to actually practice it. But when you do, it can radically change how you make decisions and how you act. So all of this stuff, and, I, and I'm grateful for you being patient and let me say this, but all of this stuff leads to a more conscious life, a more conscious experience of the present moment. And this can be transformative. And I, what I want people who are listening to hear is this. This isn't information that just applies to someone who is incarcerated. This applies to all of us. Uh, think about your own relationships, your own interactions. When you feel anxious, you're more likely to create an anxious story. And if you learn this, you'd say, you know what? Could you imagine saying to a loved one, you know, I feel myself feeling really agitated and irritable right now. It has nothing to do with you. I, I drank too much caffeine, you know, a little bit ago. And I just want you to know, I'm not mad at you if I come across a certain way. Imagine what that does to your everyday relationships. It's, it's life-changing. Um, so you've developed some programs that you offer. Um, can you talk about those programs just a little bit, the free mental health programs for incarcerated individuals? Yeah, so we have a couple um, free mental health programs. So first of all, one of the things that I love about this company, Viapath, is they offer tablets to, to people who are in, on the inside. And so these tablets, you can get information directly to you. You can get videos. You can get educational material directly to you. So whereas before, like I'm, my life is devoted to peace. I'm one of the more calm people you're going to meet in life. I might be passionate, but when it comes to emotions, you're not going to see me flying all over the place. But the one time I can get heated is if I walk through an institution and I see people have nothing to read or work on or do, and they're an isolated cell for too long. Because what are we doing there? We're, what are we putting somebody in an extended timeout? Like, what are we asking of that? So when I see that, so one of the things that I love and one of the, one of the reasons why I partnered with Viapath is this. They offer these tablets that you can get information directly to people. So the programs that we offer through them that are free programs, things like parenting. So I wrote a book called Zen Parent, Zen Child. And it is that title really encapsulates what it is. If we want our children to be Zen, we've got to be Zen because we can't say, hey, you need to not be you know, scream at them. You need to be not impulsive. Well, if we're screaming at them, how are we going to ask them to take care of their own emotions? So I do a, a program on that. 
And we also, there's also a full length program, but the free program, they can get a program on parenting on that. There's a free program on domestic violence. We understand that domestic violence impacts people of all walks of life, all relationships. There's no socioeconomic status or people that aren't involved with it. Like violence permeates human nature. And so uh, we offer a free domestic violence program to help people gain an awareness, again, of what led to what. You know, I have a zero tolerance for violence um, within my wife and I have a beautiful 17-year-old daughter. We have never yelled at or spanked her. Like she's a very conscious and conscientious young uh, lady. And at no point has that ever been involved. Their violence is unacceptable. So, but I teach people, how do you handle that conflict? Because obviously in relationships, you're gonna have conflict. You're gonna have, anytime you have two human beings, I always say, remember, there are two kinds of people, people with issues and dead people. And when issues collide, conflict arises. So conflict is natural, that's gonna happen. Question is, how do we handle it? Um, and so I have a program on domestic violence. I have a free program on anger management. As I said, this is something that I specialize in, um, and I see this in, again, all walks of life. Human beings, we have emotions. Anger is not wrong or bad. Anger is a natural emotion. Anger can be a great motivator if channeled in the right direction. Unfortunately, anger also can lead to impulsivity, and it can also lead to people doing things that are hurtful to themselves and others. So I have a, a powerful uh, video on uh, anger management, and I also have a, a free video on meditation. So, you know, 25 years ago, if I would have tried to talk about meditation, I would have felt um, a lot of judgment, a lot of people rolling their eyes, a lot of people saying, nah, that's, but now living in today in 2022, I get to say with a ton of confidence, and I work with some of the toughest people in the world. And I say this, look, I don't care how tough you are. I don't care if you have spiritual beliefs or no spiritual beliefs, as sure as push-ups make you stronger, make your muscles stronger, meditation helps your brain function more effectively. And so I teach meditation, I teach different strategies on meditation in that free program. Um, so we have a lot of content and available access for people. I'm so pumped about that partnership with Viapath because when I look at something, I say, how can we get information and education to people? And all of my programs are centered on what I, what's called psychoeducational material. In other words, we're going to learn things like, oh, your mind wants to match your body. Oh, let's learn about anxiety. You know, let me give you another real quick, uh, I, I would call it a lesson, but it's, it's this. When we're anxious, it feels so awful that we would rather be angry than anxious. And so oftentimes when people are angry and they don't understand why, when they learn about that we cover anxiety with ang anger, then they say, oh, wait a minute, now I don't have to lash out in anger. I can literally say, imagine you're with a loved one in a car and the, the person in the passenger seat is nagging the one who's driving. And instead of saying, um, you know, getting angry, you go, you know what, I'm sorry, I have a lot of anxiety when I'm not in control, when I'm not driving, and I feel myself nagging you, I feel myself being angry, but it's really because I feel anxious in this moment. Imagine how that changes your dialogue. And now you and your partner are having a, significantly different discussion. 
Thank you. Um, we just have uh, three minutes left in this interview, Dr. Conte. Um, what is needed to change the mental health landscape with uh, within correctional facilities? So the first thing I think is um, meeting people where they actually are, not where we think they should be. And one way Viapath does that is by presenting these tablets so that they can actually have access to this information. Second one I think is this. I think it's really helped. I think it's critical to help people understand both what led to what, in other words, how did you get here? And then what leads to what? What can you do to take your life in the direction where you actually want it to be? And I think in regard to that, I have two more keys. One, get away from this in antiadromia, one extreme to the other. It's all this or all that. Instead, go, look, we're all in this together. Let's provide some information. And the second key is what I call psychoeducational information. So if we can keep teaching people about their emotions, about how to handle their own human nature, then we are going to set people up for success rather than repeatedly doing what has, corrections has done for years, which is put people basically in extended timeouts and then wonder why, without offering them any new information, why they didn't magically just change. And so I believe when we start to do this, but I also believe we're farther along and we're moving in the right direction. Uh, and again, when we have companies and places that can provide the, the methodology to be able to channel this content, it's, we're on the right path, I'll tell you that. Great. Well, thank you so much. We've been talking tonight with Dr. Christian Conte, um, a mental health specialist in the field of anger and emotional management. Uh, Dr. Conte, are there any final words that you'd like to share with us? Um, and also, uh, is there a way that people can get in touch with you? Yes. I mean, listen, I have a YouTube channel that's a free resource for people. And I people I get to hear from people all over the world. So I'd love people to check that out. They would just type in Dr. Christian Conti on YouTube and they'd find that. And I guess the, the message, my final message is how I end all my videos, which is truly and genuinely, I wish everyone much peace. Great. So that's uh, Dr. Christian Conti. They can find you on YouTube and then... Um... Also online, they can Google you, Christian Conte. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure having you on Prison Pipeline. Uh, you've been listening tonight with an interview with Dr. Christian Conte, uh, who serves as a consultant to the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections, offering mental health training for correction officers and inmates. Thanks so much, Dr. Conte. Have a good evening. Thank you, too. Understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are
You are listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. A date which will live in 